Hello Panthers, I'm your hostess B, and we're back with another episode of Real Talk. This time, we're talking nutrition. But first, we gotta announce the winner of last week's giveaway. Thank you so much to everyone who listened and commented and shared your own back-to-school tips with us and each other. So, without further ado, the winner of the giveaway is... Gigi Parra! Congratulations, Gigi! Please come to collect your giveaway prizes at the Student Health Center in room 180 between 8.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, Monday through Friday, any one of those days that you can make it. We will also be sending you a message. All right, guys, this episode, we sit down with a registered dietitian to talk about people's nutritional needs, diet fads, and how what works for someone may not work for someone else and vice versa. So, grab a snack and get ready for a talk with HLP's nutritionist, Giselle Garces. Alright, hi Giselle, welcome to Real Talk. Uh, thank you, it's really great to be here. So I just wanted to ask you about yourself and why you chose to be a nutritionist. Okay, um, so again, my name is Giselle Garces. I'm a registered dietitian. I've been working here at HLP for almost two years now, over a year and a half. And, you know, I've, I've been really lucky. I've, um, I've always been interested in nutrition and health and food and diet and why people choose certain foods. Um, since I was 18 years old, I knew I wanted to be a registered dietitian. I became a vegetarian at 14, got into the animal rights club, so I was really big into, you know, um, humane treatment of animals, and, and that led me into, you know, healthy eating and food. And then I, I realized that having variety and balance in all different ways was really the best way to find healthy eating. But I've been lucky throughout my studies. I've met a lot of really great professors that kept me really passionate about food and science. I love science. So a lot of people don't realize how much science goes into, into food and what the body does with food. And I find all of that extremely fascinating. Um, so yeah, it's been a pretty much a straight shot, nutrition all the way through. That's awesome that you were so confident from the beginning of what you wanted to do and that life kind of led you through that path pretty straight. Mm -hmm. And uh, what is it exactly that you do for the Healthy Living program? Like, what is an average workday? So most of my time is spent um, sitting one-on-one -on -one with students and staff members that just want some support or guidance in regards to whatever kind of health questions they may have, um, diet questions, or, or anything else. It's really like a variety of different stuff. And then outside of that, I have lots of other little projects going on, so things are always moving. I help with events, outreach, education, um, all kinds of stuff, really. But most of my time is just one-on-one -on -one sessions, and that's what my favorite thing is to do. What do students come to you the most for, would you say? Everything, really, which is great because I don't like being bored. <laughs> um, so everyone, there's a variety of different reasons why somebody would come to see me. So it could be like general healthy eating questions, like they're just unsure of what their nutritional needs are and how to eat healthfully and, and just want guidance in regards to that. And then other times it can be a lot more specific. There could be like uh, weight management goals, um, it could be disordered eating patterns or history of eating disorders or current eating disorders. I actually am really passionate about that because I actually spent a few years 
working at an eating disorder um, treatment center. And so I really put a lot of years just specializing in helping people normalize food, find balance, and really just kind of let go of a lot of uh, diet mentality and food rules and disordered eating patterns, which I'm super passionate about. And I love helping people kind of get to a better place um, within themselves. So it, it can be lots of different things. Also abnormal labs, so if somebody goes to the doctor and they get their lab work back and all of a sudden they have high cholesterol, high blood pressure, or um, high blood glucose, or whatever it is, or even disease management. So if somebody has a history of diabetes, or PCOS, or any of the other kinds of things that people might struggle with, um, I can really kind of help them understand what their specific nutrition needs are. Oh, also allergies or intolerances. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it can so be a, a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot is affected by nutrition or, you know, nutrition affects a lot of aspects of everything, it sounds like. So. Yeah, there's so many different reasons um, why it's such a great idea to get um, some nutrition guidance. Also, a lot of students come to college for the first time and they're on their own for the first time. And so they kind of don't know how to feed themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's just a lot to kind of undertake all at once. And, and a lot of people want to change their diet. Maybe they want to become vegetarian or they want to be vegan or they want to try different things that are just like unsure of like what's right for them or if it's healthy or a good idea or how to do it healthfully and so I help people with all of those things. You get a lot of students coming in like I eat three hot packets a day and <laughs> a can of coke. <laughs> I get everything, honestly. <laughs> it's it's the full spectrum, and I love it. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, specifically, do you feel that students struggle with any particular thing the most, like weight management or disordered eating? Is there one more than the other, or would you say it's a lot of variation? The one thing that I find is a common link in most situations is that, you know, most of the time, students tend to be very busy and you know really distracted by a lot of different responsibilities tasks and things that they need to do and they kind of just forget about themselves they don't think about feeding themselves they don't think about variety of foods they don't think about preferences or what they're in the mood for most of the times people when I see them they're not even connected to their hunger fullness cues so it's it's really it's a lot about kind of coming back and connecting with oneself and like um, just kind of starting with the basics and and really being mindful of your own needs and own hungerfulness and preferences and cravings. So that's the one really big common thing people forget about themselves. So wait, let's go back to you said hungerfulness cues. Mm -hmm. What are those? So, hungerfulness cues. Um, everybody has them. Most people feel them, but a lot of people spend a lot of time ignoring them, and so they get disconnected. Um, but hungerfulness cues, messages from the body, is, is the biggest way a person is able to understand and know what the body needs um, and what they need. And, and obviously there's food, there's sleep, there's hydration, there's um, exhaustion, there's all kinds of messages that the body can give you. Hunger fullness cues, it's just the natural way that your body guides you and how much food you need. Um, a lot of people look for a lot of external information on this, like how much do I need to eat? How many 
grams of this or cups of this and da 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 da. And really, honestly, your food, your body knows. And once you get reconnected and you get really in tune with that and become very mindful and aware, it's a much more natural process than constantly trying to find a new diet or a new thing to follow because your body knows what it needs. And it's whether or not like you can tune into it and respond to it appropriately. So there's a wide range of hunger fullness cues. You know, there's starvation and then there's painfully uncomfortably full. Uh, right, those are our two extremes. Um, there's neutral, and there's levels all in between that. And when you can feel all of those things, is when regular, healthful, balanced eating patterns occur. Best. Okay, so it's more about your own body's natural response to food and being attuned to one's own body, mm-hmm. kind of listening to yourself and trusting mm-hmm. your your stomach or brain or body yeah your body yep so on average what would you consider a balanced diet which you know it probably varies by person right lifestyle level of activity Mm -hmm. you're right so it, it does vary per person um per se some people choose different lifestyles some people have different schedules People do have different needs, but in general, a balanced diet is pretty basic and simple. There's five food groups. Your body really needs all of them. And unless there's any kind of allergy, intolerance, or medical condition that would change that kind of um, ability to have all five food groups in a certain way, it is really just incorporating a variety of foods, a variety of colors uh, throughout the day while listening to your body's hunger fullness cues and other messages to really kind of get what you really need right so and also activity level somebody's much more active their needs are going to be a little bit higher but your body will also tell you that if you're a lot more active you're going to be hungrier if you're moving less you're going to be less hungry um and people's metabolisms are just different and it changes on a daily basis which is why listening to your body is the number one indicator of balance and health because you're going by what your actual needs are you know, I can, I can tell a person their general needs, but it's also how their body responds to that and what their body kind of says with that that kind of really gets a person to their exact needs. So not only does it vary by person and by lifestyle, but even in an individual's own life, you'd say it varies like day by day. Yeah, day by day. Wow. Your needs change. <laughs> if you're studying a lot, you're going to need a little bit more. If... Um, you're really stressed or you're sick, you're gonna need a little bit more. You're gonna need different things with different reasons. Oof. Yeah. Time maintenance. <laughs> I know, there isn't a, a single one answer that that fits everything. It's, it's always, mm-hmm. it depends and all kinds of stuff. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. All right, so trivia questions for our listeners. Uh, what is a superfood? Are there superfoods? We'll be answering this trivia question at the end of the podcast, so hang on. Okay, so you mentioned earlier you were a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Are you still a vegetarian? No, I was a vegetarian for 10 years, and then, you know, through my kind of journey of, like, understanding, like, what's right for me and, and reasons why I choose specific diets, um, you know, first it was really um, environmental impact and you know, humane treatment of animals, then it was like healthy eating, then it's like, well, how can I um, sustain healthy eating? And then I realized 
and, and this is what healthy eating is, is it, you know, you, you listen to your preferences, you listen to your body's cues, and you eat a variety of foods, all food groups, right? And, and that's really what healthy eating is. It doesn't have to be restrictive. You don't have to take out whole food groups. I mean, yes, if you want to be a vegetarian, you absolutely can do that for, you know, um, specific very important moral reasons but it doesn't have to be black and white like you you can still have a positive impact in the world and still have a variety of different kinds of foods so yes i was a vegetarian for 10 years and then i realized i can eat healthfully and still include animal products um in in my diet and i enjoy it and it feeds my body well so yes i became an omnivore okay so once again it really did your definition of healthy eating would then be whatever works for each person you as an individual. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Actually, that's a really good point because each individual person um, needs something a little bit different, and, and different things works for each person. And that's something that you know I don't like to dictate. I don't like to dictate what somebody needs to do. I kind of work with where they're at in the moment, what their goals are, where they want to be, and what their needs are, and I kind of help them make that happen according to their own individual needs, goals, and desires. Because there is no blanket health eating for any person. No, there's no blanket statement. Everybody's needs are a little bit different. Um, and everybody wants to do different things. And there are different things that work for different people. On that note, are you open-minded about different kinds of diets? Like the ones that are very popular at the moment, you know, keto, uh, vegan, pescatarian, all those? Um, I'm really open towards vegetarian, vegan, pescatarian um, diets. I think that you can choose those and meet all your needs healthfully pretty easily. Just depending on what you choose, we would just work on like what deficiencies there could be and how do we fill those. When it comes to the keto diet, that's different. Um, that's a very restrictive diet in a lot of ways. I don't love, like, a true keto diet means your body is in ketosis. You're getting, you're getting very little to no carbohydrates that provides glucose for the body. And glucose is the number one energy source for the body. It's, the, it's one of the two energy sources that your brain uses. Your brain only really wants to use glucose, but it can use ketone bodies. So when you're, when you're eating um, or following a true keto diet and your body goes into ketosis, your body has to create this new energy source by breaking down tissues in the body creates ketones, then that's the other energy source. It's not really the best. This, the, a true keto diet has been proven um, helpful for people who struggle with epilepsy or people who have seizures and medication hasn't really been that helpful. So this diet can, can help prevent seizures. In a regular person's life, um, it's not always realistic or long-term. Now, if somebody wants to choose like a low-carb diet, not necessarily true keto, true ketosis, that's, uh, that's more um, realistic, that's more something that, that a person can implement more long-term. It just depends on how low they wanna go in regards to carbohydrates. Because again, carbohydrates is a, a, an essential macronutrient, so it's something that the body needs. So keto is, is now we're getting into an area where it gets a little 
a little risky. Um, but again, I'm, I'm able to work with somebody if they want to um, kind of lower the amount of carbohydrates they're taking in to see if that would help with weight management um, or glucose control or whatever it is. We can work with it and we can see what, what the person can handle and how they'll transition into it. But the reality is, is like a person may have a low carb diet and that works really well for them, but it may not work well for another person. So it's, you know, making these choices, seeing how it goes, and then figuring out what's right for that person. Okay, so like when someone's friend is telling them about keto and they're making it sound like a miracle cure, you should just take that with a grain of salt. Yes, <laughs> and, and seek professional advice, because it may or may not be right for you, and you may or may not know how to do it healthfully, and that's another big thing, because it's very mm -hmm. restrictive. How do you feel about intermittent fasting? Yeah, so intermittent fasting, that's kind of um, a, a newer um, thing that is growing in, in popularity. A lot of people are trying it. A lot of people are reading about it. Um, it works for some people. Some people like it. And it doesn't work for other people. So it really it really depends in that way. But yes, intermittent fasting is um, you have an, a, a window of the day uh, where you set that you're able, you're allowed to eat. And then... There's another span of time where you're not allowed to eat. Now, some people have um, smaller or larger windows of eating. It really just depends on what a person chooses. Um, a popular window or time frame of food would be like noon to 6 p.m. And then outside of that, there's no food intake. Um, and, you know, and there's all different ways of fasting. Some people will fast every other day or once, once a week. Fasting is just something that's been in lots of different cultures for hundreds of thousands of years, right? And, and now we're just kind of making it into this more of a diet trend where it's this period of eating windows throughout the day. Um, here's the thing. Some people naturally don't have hunger cues early in the morning, and maybe they can easily skip breakfast without feeling exhausted or tired, this and that. And maybe eating window from 12 to 6 as long as you still need to overall meet your needs. You still need to meet your needs for the day, right? Um, and you still need to get a variety of foods um, because we still need macronutrients and micronutrients, right? Like vitamins, minerals, fiber, um, fats, carbs, proteins. So that doesn't change. Now it's whether or not you can fit it into that small window and whether or not you can take the hunger cues that come within not eating for long periods of time. Um, I am open to working with intermittent fasting uh, depending on the window of time and the food intake within that time, whether or not it meets needs. Um, some people do find benefits with weight loss in regards to intermittent fasting. But it, here's the other thing, it can, um, it can cause people to have um, really strong and intense uh, food thoughts and food cravings. It can push people to have urges to binge food or overeat foods. So sometimes it can cause the opposite effect than what people want. So again, it just depends on the person and what works for them. I fully and wholeheartedly believe in um, a regular intake of food, like a regular schedule of food, um, you know, eat every couple of hours, eat all your food groups, listen to your body, um, feed and, and nurture your body. And that's what I wholeheartedly believe in. That's what's most important. Mm -hmm. 
variety, yeah. balance, food groups, uh-huh. nutrients. Yeah, it's about all of those things. <laughs> How much would you say diet affects performance in every aspect of life, especially for students? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that it, it makes a pretty big impact. Um, and it, But I think people take it to a level where it can be a little too obsessive um, or people just get you know, just forget about food altogether. So it's, it's kind of like these extremes. Um, but yes, I mean, for your body to have the energy and strength to study, pay attention, um, engage in sports, physical activity, all these kinds of things, your body needs to be properly fueled and fed. Um, otherwise, you'll have deficiencies or, you know, you won't be able to retain information or perform in your sports. So, so yes, food, food and diet have really really big impact Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I find I'm even sometimes surprised at how many different things I don't even think about that food impacts I mean how much does it affect someone's mood or their state of mind actually it has a huge impact on mood um Specifically, uh, actually carbohydrate intake, grains intake, um, B vitamins will help with energy and with mood and creating serotonin in the body, which are like feel-good hormones. So if you're, if you're restricting whole food groups or you're not getting in, uh, enough carbohydrates or even grains or B vitamins, you can get um, pretty moody and irritated. Oh, I'm so hungry. Um, the other thing, if you're not eating enough and you don't have the energy, you can't, you're not going to remember things. Um, you're not going to be able to retain the information you're getting in class or what you're reading when you're studying. Um, you're going to be distracted. Um, a lot of things can happen. But yes, big, big indicator on mood. <laughs> All right, student question time. Okay, let's start with what's the best way to lose weight in a healthy way? This is a complicated one. A lot of factors come into it. I feel like that's just nutrition in general. But okay, um, quickly. Uh, honestly, the best way to lose weight in a healthful way is to forget about the actual weight and number on a scale and focus on you know, living a healthy, happy, balanced life. And in that way, it's more of a positive impact on your mental and physical state. And it actually allows you to easier reach your goals um, rather than stressing about a number and getting on a scale and that creating actual like food cravings, maybe disordered patterns with food and stress in, in your life. And the next question is, what's the best healthy snack? It's peanut butter jelly time! There is no best healthy snack. There's, um, I like to say that snacks, okay, the snacks that I like to recommend are usually a variety of snacks, usually two food groups, um, just because when you pair two food groups together, it allows for your body to um, be satiated for a longer period of time, give your body even um, energy and kind of last you a little bit more. So like examples could be like um, apple and peanut butter, cheese and grapes, um, yogurt and fruit or yogurt and granola or um, veggie sticks and hummus, any of those things. All right, uh, 
Someone asked, how can I eat better when on a college diet? <laughs> I'm assuming college diet means barely eating or not eating very well or yeah, running you, in between classes. I think we would need more information on what a college diet is. When somebody first starts a university and maybe they're in the freshman dorm, um, that usually means that they're on the dining hall meal plan. It just depends on the meal plan that they choose, so that kind of affects uh, their options. But if they have the dining hall, it could be a big experience to go from eating home-cooked meals to now having buffet-style meals 24-7. And so that can be such a big adjustment that people start to you know, forget how they normally eat or maybe portions of food will, will change. Um, and it's just kind of going back to um, you know, how they normally eat, uh, hungerfulness cues, variety of foods. The other thing is college budget. Now that's another thing, right? <laughs> yeah, so college budget is a big deal. Um, but I find that if, if you, you know, create a budget, um, set some goals and, you know, go to the store, get some essentials, you can really kind of make it work. It really just depends on what your situation is. Yeah, I also thought maybe college diet is like, I have $30 in my checkings account mm -hmm. and my tuition is due on Monday. So Yeah, I, and, and I've sat down with somebody with a limited budget and kind of, you know, decided foods foods that uh, will fit um, and meet needs. So, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes. For sure. Mm -hmm. But that's good that you can come up with a plan despite that. Mm -hmm. uh, someone asked recommendations for eating at restaurants and what to look for if I want to eat healthy. I assume they mean at the restaurants. Right. Okay, so this is this is tricky because it also depends on lifestyle. Is a person's lifestyle almost always eating out at restaurants or is it mostly eating at home and sometimes eating out at restaurants? Because that is a big um, factor there. But, you know, again, it's, it's really taking the basics of healthy eating, right? Food groups, balance, hungerfulness, preference, um, all of those things kind of come together even at a restaurant, right? So look at the menu, um, you know, identify foods or meals that you like, but also choose maybe meals that you like that sound good, but also kind of meet whatever goals you have in that moment. Because that's the thing though, everybody has different goals. So healthy, is different for each person depending on their individual goals. Um, so it really just means really look at the menu. A lot of people just choose something without really thinking about it, or they choose the same thing they choose every single time they get there, which isn't really thinking about themselves or their goals or anything. So get to a restaurant, look at the home menu, what shoots out at you, what kind of meets what you're looking for in the moment and, and whatever goals you're working towards. And then that, I think it's just people need to be more mindful of what's happening and what they want. I absolutely get you when you say choose something that kind of covers all your bases or at least almost tries to because sometimes I'll be looking at a menu and I'll be stuck between two things and I'll be like, okay, well, but this option has legumes and nuts and uh, carbohydrates and whatever and then the other one has some fruits and da 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 <laughs> I don't know if that's like really obsessive but I'll take like each ingredient used into factor sometimes I mean that's the thing right like food fits a, 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 a ton of different kinds of factors and you have to choose like what factors are most important for you in that moment right like mm -hmm. 
nutrient content is is one factor, but so is, you know, preference, taste, and satisfaction in that moment too. And so like what can kind of meet a lot of things all at once or what is most important for you in that moment? Okay. Uh, we have another couple questions here. Sure. We have, how can I determine healthy versus unhealthy foods quickly? I'm <laughs> torturing you with these questions on the vagueness of health. Well, it's just the reality is like, and this is this is a bigger uh, topic, right? Healthy, and I do it in quotations. It it means different things to different people, and and honestly, I get people that come in and they're like, I want to be healthy, and then I'll ask them, Well, what is healthy? And they're like, Lose weight, and I'm like, Well, that doesn't necessarily mean healthy, and people make a lot of very harmful, unhealthy choices to lose weight, and they think that losing weight is health. So it gets really confusing as to what each person's definition of health is, and that's very different, unfortunately. Um, So how can I determine healthy versus unhealthy foods quickly? Again, just thinking about goals. Um, If you're somebody who never eats fruits and vegetables, but you know that that's something that would be good for you to do, then start being mindful. Like, what foods can I choose that I like, right? Don't force yourself to eat foods you don't like, right? Respect your body and yourself. So you know, scan um, your choices, choose something that fits whatever goals you're working towards. If it's eating fruits and vegetables, choose something you like that includes that goal. Maybe it's, well, actually I'm going to, you know, incorporate, I don't know, whole grains more, or I'm gonna incorporate more protein because I never get protein, or da-da-da-da, whatever it is, right? Like identify what you're working towards and then choose within what you like from there. So when people say eating healthy, I would hope what they mean is uh, the foods that can best fuel my performance, my mood, my uh, level of concentration, activity, like make this machine of the human body work the best that it possibly can is, is what I think most people mean when they say eat healthy. So I mean, it's probably not just like a packet of Oreos. Mm -hmm. (laughs) for lunch Mm -hmm. and it's not just broccoli 24-7 either Mm, yeah so people always go towards that Mm -hmm. end but they never think of the other end so you wouldn't say that hyper focusing on eating healthy is necessarily a healthy choice right some people take health to a level that's really unhealthy Um, and and that's that's the problem with this kind of buzzword but you know you're right eating only oreos is not healthy and eating only broccoli not healthy why mm-hmm. because we need a variety of foods and nutrients and food groups and a balance and that's that's what healthy eating is so it's also kind of a game of figuring out what makes me feel my best mhm and sometimes it is an oreo <laughs> and it's sometimes okay to have that it oreo. is a broccoli okay yeah maybe you know Broccoli, then Oreo, Oreo, then broccoli, whichever way they want to. <laughs> Hopefully not together at the same time. Don't judge me! Okay, so the last two questions. Uh, what are some ways to stop stress eating? That's something we haven't talked about, I think. Yeah, actually, this is a really uh, common thing that I address in sessions. Um, most people stress eat. Um, most people have a large amount of stress in their lives on a daily basis. And, you know, it's just about um, 
incorporating positive coping skills. And what that means is, you know, um, food, it, it, it provides, um, okay, so food, it, it really functions in a lot of different ways in your life, right? And one of those things is pleasure and comfort, right? But it's not the only thing that is going to comfort you um, or reduce stress. Right, so first is identifying, you know, how are you really feeling? If it's stress and anxiety, you know, is food really going to help with stress and anxiety? To some extent, if you're hungry, yes, eat something. You know, if something sounds good for you in the moment, you know, have it, that's fine. You need to respect fullness cues, right? So end at a comfortable fullness. Um, and also realize that there are things that you can do that can actually um, help lower stress and anxiety. And it's, it's not, choosing food to cope it's you know incorporating um an action plan like what will help lower stress maybe it's listening to your favorite music or hanging out with your friends or maybe tackling your to-do list or going on a mindful walk or you know playing with your dog or whatever it is so i think it's it's one identifying triggers stress causes overeating okay so what can i do instead of overeating that can help with my stress Okay, so then da 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 make your list that speaks to you, and then really um, incorporate that list whenever you feel stress, um, mm -hmm. instead of always using food. Don't get me wrong, like when I'm sad, I want some ice cream, and I'll have some ice cream, and that's okay, but I will respect my fullness cues. I'll stay mindful and present and enjoy, and if there's still sadness after the ice cream, then I know I need to do something else more ice cream is not going to make me less sad, right? So sure? it's... <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> so I guess it's more about working backwards and starting with actual stress. It's not just about, like, what can I do about stress eating? It's more sometimes, what can I do about stress? Yeah, it's, it's really about connection and being mm -hmm. mindful and aware. A lot of people don't understand why they're making the choices that they're making. So it's really about connecting with your body and being mindful, present, and aware. Okay. Um, we've got a good question here. Uh, what are some healthy options to eat on campus? That's a pretty good question. Um, and honestly, in most places, you can, you can have um, healthy options or at least balanced meals, or at least meals that are gonna provide you um, a variety of different food groups. You know, even, I mean, I, I'll, I'll, one of the things that I do often is if a student eats most of their meals on campus, we'll talk about what are their favorite places and we'll go through the menu together and we'll be like, okay, let's talk about what are your food preferences, what are your goals, and what would be meals that can fit those things. Um, and we sit down and we just look at the menu. Um, so I think it's, it's really just, again, identifying your goals and then looking at the menu to see what fits because you can eat healthfully at, at Panda Express, Taco Bell, Moe's, Pollo Tropical. Um, I love Almazar. <laughs> um, you know, you can, you can have a healthful meal in any of those places. It's just about are you really thinking about what you're choosing? Are you thinking about what you need and, and what your goals are? Mm -hmm. And I accidentally skipped over a question here, but... Uh, reading over it. It's a very simple question, but I think it might be the most important <laughs> and the best one. Um, someone said, I just want to eat healthier. Where do I start? Mm -hmm. Yes. Where does someone begin to make a transition in their life of being conscious of, you know, 
eating healthier or you know if they if starting in a path that they desire to go on when it comes to diet okay um i mean i think that that's a really important place to be if if you identify that lifestyle isn't really where you want it to be and it's and it's not um you know a lifestyle that brings you health um and if you feel really lost a good way to start is to come make an appointment with a nutritionist and and really find the answers because sometimes People look for more and more information and they only get more and more confused. Healthy eating really isn't supposed to be complicated. It really should be easy. Um, but one of the easiest things that you can do is just think about there are five food groups, right? Five. Are you getting all five food groups in your diet? Yes or no? And if you're not, then what are you getting You know, more of and what are you getting less of? And then how do you start to get that balance naturally in your life while considering preferences? Uh, this might be a dumb question. What are the five food groups? <laughs> That's a really great question, actually. Thank you for asking. Um, all right, so there's uh, fruits, there's vegetables, there's grains, there's proteins, and there's dairies. So, and if you are vegan, you can still get all of your five food groups. You just have to choose vegan options. In, in some of the more complicated ones for vegans, like protein or dairy, um, vegetarian, pescatarian, um, even if somebody has like allergies or intolerances, it's really about like within your diet specification, how do you get the nutrients that you need? There, when you mentioned before about people looking for answers to how to begin and then kind of getting lost in mm -hmm. that search. There's so much misleading information and contradictory information. There's like an just inundating amount of like people yelling at each other over the internet about what you should and should not eat. Mm -hmm. it's, it can be really overwhelming when you're trying to figure out, okay, I just want to feel good and be happy. <laughs> this is, you know. Yeah, it's really confusing because everywhere you look, people are giving nutrition advice that, that isn't the best advice. And there's just so many like myths and, and buzzwords and, and things that are happening now that, you know, people are just getting more and more confused on how to feed themselves. And so I really just like to make it simple and, and not complicated. Honestly, if it doesn't seem like it makes sense, it's probably a bad idea. And, and unfortunately, I get a lot of people that come into my office and they're like, fruits are bad for you. I'm like, whoa. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? Where did this come from? <laughs> fruits are bad for you. Is that what yeah. And they're just like, yeah, sugar is bad. Fruits, fruits have sugar. So no. fruits are bad. And I'm just like. Laugh. And, uh, but it, no, it's, it's, it's sad because it, it gets people to fear foods. It gets people to think yeah. that if they eat a certain food, something terrible is going to happen to them. <laughs> um, and it demonizes foods that maybe they love, right? And in, this, and in this, it creates a lot of patterns that are really unhealthy in regards to food, mm -hmm. uh, a relationship with food, and um, diet types. So... So yeah. yeah. I mean, I legitimately read an influencer tell people that they should pretty much only eat meat and that nuts and legumes and fruits are all vegetables are all toxic for you. And I was like, where is this information coming from? But it, it felt wrong, right? Yeah, it felt yeah. very 
cringy to read. Yes, and, and <laughs> use that intuition because that usually indicates this information isn't really yeah, can't be good. good. It's, <laughs> this is not right. And the reality is like fiber, legumes, beans, whole grains, um, they're all really healthy for you. They're, I was hoping. They <laughs> are really good for you. And, and don't get me wrong, there are people who have a difficult time digesting certain foods, mm-hmm. and those people have to be mindful of, of the fibers that they're taking in. But if a person doesn't have these things, then, then no, a variety of food is the best thing for your digestive system, and those are really wonderful foods. And, and actually only eating meat is really terrible. Yes. You think of like um, the nutrient need of a body, and meat will not meet all of those needs. Mm -hmm. At all, not even close. (laughs) That's good to know. But um, it's time to answer the trivia question. Did you guys figure it out? Uh, I think it was what is a superfood? Are there superfoods? And psych, the answer is there are no superfoods. It doesn't exist. (laughs) So according to Giselle, superfoods are not a real thing. Would you care to elaborate on that? I know that people, when they say superfoods, they mean like a food that can offer them all the nutrition they need? What exactly does that generally mean? That's a, that's a good question. I don't know if there's a, an official um, definition on superfood or not. Just I just know it's, it's, it's a word that people use a lot mm-hmm. to identify like a new food um, that all of a sudden is the new craze in, mm-hmm. in the diet industry. Like, you know, kale was a superfood for a while. Quinoa was a superfood for a while. Um, what else? All kinds of stuff. So it's kind of just a word to address a new fad of like, hey, we discovered that this food is awesome. Yeah, it's like a little, it's supposed to be like a little extra awesome than regular foods. Like kale compared to other lettuces offer more nutrition, which maybe yes, but again, it's it's not like one food is not supposed to serve the purpose of all of your nutrient needs in your body. And what if you do, what do you do if you hate kale? What do you do if you hate kale? What do you do? I guess you have to look for another source of, what is it, potassium? I'm not very good at the... The reality is, is like, these nutrients can be found in a variety of different foods. And it's really just having a balance and variety of different foods that are going to meet all of your needs. Kale is great. Um, Mm. Quinoa is great. It's actually a complete protein if you didn't have all essential um, amino acids in it. And it's also a grain. But, like, all of these foods provide a great amount of nutrition. And so do other foods. Like one food isn't um, going to solve everyone's health problems just because you eat it. Um, mm. Oh, new thing is celery juice. Oh, actually, yeah. like celery juice. Okay, and if you like it, that's great. But it's not going <laughs> to provide you. It's not going to provide you a magical um, experience. It's not going to magically solve your life because you had <laughs> celery juice. You know what I mean? Yeah. You made you made a face like a toddler with a lemon. Like when you said <laughs> celery juice. <laughs> I love celery. I love celery (laughs) with hummus um, or with salad dressing um, or just cut up into a salad. But to force myself to drink celery juice that I don't like to get some Mm -hmm. magical property from it, that's not real. Okay, so more about, it's more about like what nutrients, minerals, vitamins, whatever can you get from a food. You can just get it in other foods and just find the foods that you like that have those things that you need. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, right? Yeah. Like when if you have like a deficiency or whatever, you can find a food that you like that will 
help that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, all right. Awesome. So earlier you were saying uh, that if people really want to find out the real answer to these questions on a more individual specific level, they should make an appointment with a nutritionist. You're a nutritionist. That they I can am. make an appointment with mm-hmm. <laughs> on campus. That's true. I am a registered, licensed um, nutritionist and dietitian. So, so yes, if you do have any diet questions, um, health questions, um, medical questions that have a nutritional uh, purpose to it, um, come make an appointment with me. You have to fill out two forms so that I get all the information on you that I need to tailor the session to your um, individual goals. And, you know, we can tease all of these things out and, and figure out what is, you know, the best path for you. Is there any specific way people can reach you? Or is it just through the Healthy Living Program? How can people set up an appointment if they want to talk to you about their nutrition? That's a great question. So you can either call the uh, Healthy Living um, office and the front desk um, will help you in making an appointment. You can actually um, start to make virtual um, appointments online now if you want to. Um, Those are the two basic ways. So call the office, make an appointment um, or log in and also make an appointment. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much, Giselle, for sitting and talking to all of us about this. No problem. It was my pleasure. And thank you to all of our listeners. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and that you tune in next time. But for now, relax, feel good, and be well. Later, Panthers.